Welcome to Strength in the Numbers. My name is Andrew Codd, accountant, author, and commercial finance entrepreneur. And it's my job each week to bring you leaders in finance and business and deconstruct with them their real stories, insights, and hard-won lessons into practical advice on the key strengths and qualities you need to remain relevant in accounting and finance today, as well as the steps you can begin to take to elevate the impact you make to have a fun, successful, and rewarding career in accounting and finance. Now let's go over to the show. To everything else, I mean, you don't have to be in specific industry. You can just think of the business in general of something that's either digital or not. So if you're doing something every day and you think about creating a digital twin of your job, you know, of your process, that would help you make it, you know, streamline this process and maybe repair it in some point. Doesn't really mean that we are moving to to robots, you know, but it's it's part of it. But it's not like I'm gonna lose my job to a robot if I digitalize it. You know, we don't need to think about it this way. The routine is gonna be automated, but the creative piece of it is gonna still stay. It's you who's who's gonna decide how you do this job, you know. Hi everyone and welcome to this week's strength of the numbers. Now you've just heard from today's guest. Tanya Kuznetsova. And Tanya's a rather special guest for us to have on the show because not only she's our first guest mentor from Russia, she's also our first guest with a significant background and career in Treasury. And uh, Tanya helps us understand her journey and how she decided to get into Treasury as opposed to accounting and general finance, how she made the jump from railways to retail, and also shares the learnings she had from moving from Moscow and Russia all the way over to North Carolina in the US of A. I mean, during the conversation, what really jumps out to me about Tanya is her passion for digital business. She also goes through on the show where it's actually helped her in her work. She shares with us a very interesting idea of having a digital twin, and that will allow us to be better placed to remain relevant and enjoy our work even more. And we go on to talk about other things in the podcast as well, about how we can look for and stay ahead of business growth, particularly in the retail industry, how we can improve our success on international assignments and go through a number, three or four areas there of what we can do. And also the biggest challenge she faced when moving to and began working in America and it's not what you think it would be. So look, I hope you enjoyed this episode as as much as I did deconstructing these various areas with Tanya You can check out our timestamp show notes, key quotes, resources, and ways to connect with Tanya and more at our website, sitnshow.com. And we always appreciate when you recommend the show to your friends and colleagues. They can subscribe on all the major platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Spotify. And as always, thank you for investing your time in the show today. So without further ado, over to Tanya and the show. So Tanya, welcome to the show. Thank you. Hey, it's a, it's a pleasure having you, Tanya. And uh, I think our, our audience are really going to enjoy this one. So before we jump into a, sort of the podcast, we'll say, do you mind maybe sharing us a brief uh, history of your journey in accounting and finance, please? Yes, absolutely. And, and again, thank you for having me. And I think you mentioned before that you don't have many treasury professionals in, in your podcast. So I'm happy to, to be one of them. Like, I think I joined the profession <laughs> uh, because my mom was a chief accountant. So I grew up like uh, looking at her and what she was doing. So I was really interested, but I didn't want to be the accountant. I wanted to do more in banking. And I think a big piece that contributed to it was that when I was in 10th grade, I visited World Bank once, 
which is not right. necessarily yeah like the the, the classic uh, banking. It's more about financing, you know, bringing finance where it's needed and helping people. And I was really inspired by by the idea. And uh, that's how I got interested in, in financing and banking. So I majored in um, finance and credit. And I think that's pretty much how I got into treasury and, and uh, finance profession. Okay. And, and, and like, you know, just, just in terms of that journey then, because like I completely missed the treasury treasury angle myself. I, I sort of thought I'd, it'd be really cool to maybe work at an investment bank, tried it. It's a lot of long, long hours, a lot of hard work. So I said, no, probably yeah. not for me. And then most people otherwise, like maybe, maybe slip into practice or go straight into industry. I mean, where, where do you sort of start in treasury? Do you start in accounting and then end up in treasury? Or how, how do you get into treasury per se? I think it was more corporate finance and just structuring. So I come from that part. I joined Russian Railways, which is a huge company, a railways operator in Russia. It was back in 2004 when the markets only started to develop in Russia. And it was huge to, you know, there were so many deals, mergers and acquisitions and uh, all, all kinds of um, like capital markets, financing, all that. So it was just big space. And I first joined there. And then I uh, moved to more corporate treasury, which is more cash management and liquidity mm-hmm. management and, and making sure the, you know, the cash conversion cycle works smoothly. And it's usually in companies to a separate uh, division. So as I moved along to different roles, it was mostly in treasury um, and, um, and transa- banking transactions, payments, all that. But, but yeah, I find that the biggest difference maybe between accounting and treasury is that Treasury is mostly focused on liquidity management and uh, cash management and uh, and working capital. I have to say, I, I I take my hat off the treasury. It's it's as much as we cover it in the accounting exams. Um, you know, a, a good treasury specialist is, is worth, worth so much to an organization, particularly from a liquidity perspective. Best hire ever made was. Um, getting someone in uh, who was a tre- specialist in treasury and then he looked at our swaps and was able to find us an extra million uh, pounds sterling a year uh, just by changing the yeah. swaps around that we no one else would have saw i mean like that's that's an amazing impact to make so you know like tre- treasury a key, key skill on a finance team but i suppose you said you started out on the russian railways but then yeah. did you sort of end up in, in in i mean that must have been a massive scale i it's mean true. yeah yeah just it's just like it's just this is the geographic expanse and everything i mean like in terms of what was sort of your most sort of memorable experience being at the Russian railways? Well, like I mentioned, it was a developing market and they had a lot of investment programs and renewing the equipment and the the trains and all that. So there's been a lot of financing involved, long-term financing involved and structured financing and they imported a lot. So that was a great experience in terms of structuring all those deals and working with banks in different countries, which was very new experience for me and it was a very new experience for many people back then so yeah that was that was just very exciting and new <laughs> i guess that was yeah yeah then i i understood from um, sort of following your sort of career you then sort of is it left russia and it headed, headed stateside to the to america well before that was my russian railway role was at the beginning of my career then i moved to x5 retail group which is the largest russian uh-huh. retailer food retailer and they they currently operate i think um, over 15,000 stores and i've joined it's a huge company and i joined them back in 2017 when they only had 600 stores so i worked there for 11 years that's when the company moved from 600 stores to 30,000 stores and it was so fast 
it's actually mind-changing how, you know, when the company grows so fast and you have to just, you don't, have, you don't want to catch up with it. You want to be ahead of the curve. So uh, it really changes how you think about the business you're in. So, yeah, that was um, that was unique experience. I'm just sort of fascinated with these things because I've seen plenty of companies grow and then get caught out in a, in a liquidity trap. You know, they're, they're mm-hmm. a growing company. You know, sometimes they're actually profitable as well, but they just haven't got the cash to keep getting ahead of the growth or whatever. I mean, what, what sort of things can I know finance professionals and other treasury professionals look out for to, to yep. try their best to at least stay ahead anyway of that, that uh, sort of liquidity curve? Yeah, I guess that's why Treasury was really strong in the, and is. Uh, they they have one of the strongest Treasury teams in the country. And um, that's exactly because, like you're saying, the liquidity gap is a serious thing, especially in retail. When you buy and sell, you don't really produce anything. So you mm-hmm. always have to cover this gap. Yeah, financing, liquidity management is key there. And that's unique. Also, we like you get into this fast pace of things. And that's mm-hmm. how I first got interested in technology and how systems can can help finance professionals and what value it brings and how it helps you really in your day to day. Okay, so so is that is that sort of how you managed to at least uh, <laughs> at least keep up is you started leveraging technology because I know you're you're passionate about digital business. Exactly. First of all, because retail and when you have so many stores and you have to manage all the amount of transactions, the amount of transactions was enormous. It was, I think, about a million invoices a month, maybe. That was um, the, the kind of the volume that they have. And so, yeah, technology is key. It's like you can do nothing without it. And I will talk about this later, but that's how my current experience differs from before in terms of the of the business but on the other hand there are other things other than the volumes of the business that a professional needs to consider you know and that's also comes with experience so yeah so the main challenge in x5 was I guess the transaction volume and i was in charge of cash collections and when you have retail stores you don't really worry about collecting cash like in terms of you don't have delayed payments or like anything like this because it's store (laughs) you get the cash right away but on the other hand you have to make sure this cash is not you know doesn't reside in the store but gets to a bank account (laughs) so that was the main challenge there and so we managed to to structure banking products even around this to make sure that our today's cash is in the bank by tomorrow 9 a.m. in the morning throughout the whole country. So, and there were some overdrafts involved in this, some debt, and but yeah, we, we that was our goal to have all money at our disposal 9 a.m. next day. That, that's that's pretty that's pretty phenomenal. I, I I mean, I'm just wondering, Tanya, nowadays with, with everything going digital, I mean. Is managing cash, like in that traditional sense, you know, making sure it's physically not in the store, in the bank or whatever, is that, is that going to be a thing of the past or, or um, I mean, what's going to happen there, do you think? Well, I think it, it's definitely not going to be the thing of the past because the cash is king, you know, <laughs> you, have to, you have to know where it is. <laughs> And it's, it's the, the blood of the company. Yes, so, yeah, yes. I, I just think that it's just companies should get and will get more strategic around it, maybe. So less companies will you know, rest assured that they're fine as long as they have cash in their books. But they will move more towards having cash in their cash cycle working efficiently, mm-hmm. if, if you will. So, yeah, the, the more times you turn around, the better 
um, profit you get. So I guess that will be the next level of planning and uh, mm. I guess for the company. And that's where technology helps you really because it keeps you, it helps you keep track of things. It helps you, you know, move faster, sell faster. So. Yeah, I, I'm sure. I'm sure technology's come a long way. I, I remember. I remember when I my time in retail, which it's been a few years, and um, I we used to get the POS reports back, the point of sale reports back. But the only problem was because mm-hmm. there was so much data, and I just think the storage systems couldn't keep up, and technology couldn't keep up with yeah. the, the transactions. You'd be missing things. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just, just like cash would go missing. <laughs> sales are going missing so there's a lot of data i mean how do you how do you decide for what's what's good and helps you in your in your sort of cash and treasury management cycle and what what what, what's not how do you how do you know which data to go go for and which technology to leverage well i guess and this is an interesting question because i think and i have i need to say here that none of my projects were just you know given to me it's not like i I was sitting in my role and, and Someone will come in and say, "Hey, there's a great project. Let's like, why don't you do it and um, benefit from it?" <laughs> it's mostly you that y- you would be looking what technology is out there. Uh, I think the person has to be interested in learning new things yeah. and learning what technology is out there. So I actually think that it's important to just know what's in the market, and then mm. when you know it, you'll be able to apply, like, to just to see if it will be applicable to your business. If your company can benefit from it, it's just an ongoing process and there's so many new things. So you have to just know what's out there and how you can use it. And even, you know, I think I think the current trend is moving into simplifying things. If earlier only the largest companies were able to really afford, you know, like big technology and integrations and it was mm. so complicated, you have to have the whole like, IT department working with you, hand hand. <laughs> it was really tough. But I think right now, technology is moving and companies are moving into like doing simpler ways. And uh, even with treasury management systems, it's just something that I'm closer to. More mid-market companies uh, implement treasury management systems where they can manage all their banks in, in one interface and, you know, do analytics. And, and it's just, it, this is possible because it's just easier to connect and it's, a, it's very easy implementation cycle easy and short so this is the key the easier it gets for a company to implement the more the adoption rate would be i guess and i haven't i haven't noticed that many technology companies smaller fintech companies especially Mm. they would even offer you like free trial period like they do for yeah like they do for like customers for people people are pretty much used to first giving i think a try right and then deciding whether to buy it or not so why not take this approach with the company uh pe- they are the same people you know they would like yeah. to try first and, and really see if it's working if, it's, if they're really benefiting from it other than just uh, going into this theoretical models and uh, talking in front of investment communities and then implement it and then it's not working i've been there i mean it's painful <laughs> yeah and it's like and, uh, during that time the problem you have is not getting solved you know it's like it's just yeah. the, the time frame's extending and it's just dragging on and dragging on and it's just like oh it, mm-hmm. you know I, oh it's like so yeah I, I think i think that resonates yeah, with a lot of it, our audience just give it another month give it another yeah. two months and then you never get there yeah well yeah that's, that's, that's the problem it's, and that's the problem with technology as well. It's um, 
if we follow, was it Moore's law where he says, I think is it technology's performance doubles every 18 months, you know, then what's that? Like 10 years, five years down the track, that's a 10x, 10x improvement in technology. So if we're mm-hmm. not, you know, the sooner we get on it, the sooner we're getting the benefit of that technology, right? Exactly, exactly. And uh, I like how they talk about digital transformation right now. To me, it's intersection of things, actually, because okay. on one hand, you have digital, which really is like there is brick and mortar, there is digital. On the other hand, you have transformation, which is really a change of a form. It's just going from one form to another form. Mm-hmm. And when you put those two things together, now you're moving from, you know, from one form into that you are in right now to a new digital form. And it's important to think about it this way, I think, because if you don't, you can apply it almost to everything, to your business processes even. There's this thing that's called digital twin. And I like this, All right. you know, this name and this concept. Yeah, I haven't heard that um, before. Well, what is that? Yeah, well, it first started in manufacturing. They were thinking about like creating digital twins of some pieces, you know, some, some processes in manufacturing. So they were just, you know, creating more digital processes. But then it just right now it's shifting to to everything else. I mean, you don't have to be in specific industry. You don't have to be specific like profession even. You can just think of the business in general of something that's either digital or not. So if you're doing something every day and you think about creating a digital twin of your job, you know, of your process, that would help you make it, you know, streamline this process and maybe repair it in some ah, point. Yeah. It doesn't really mean, yeah, it doesn't really mean that we are moving to to robots, you know, but it's, it's part of it. But it's not like I'm going to lose my job to a robot if I digitalize it. You know? We don't no, no. think about it this way. Yeah, yeah. But yeah it's just going to be, yeah, it's just going to be more automated and more and like the routine is going to be automated, but the creative piece of it is going to still stay. It's you who's going to decide how you do this job, you know. That's a, that's a really, oh no, that's why I really like the concept, Tanya. Like, um, I'm just sort of thinking something simple now, like, uh, I don't know, say, say we used to physically send a report out. How about now we mm-hmm. have a, a an automated process, Mac, whatever it wants to be called, where the, the the data collection happens, the report is sense checked against some sort of checklist or total or whatever, make sure it's adding up properly, then get automatically sent out. You know, like that maybe could be some digital twin, but the thing is, yes, the digital twin is now doing a job maybe we used to do, but the person behind the creativity to figure out that that process could have been uh, turned into a digital, uh, digital process is actually um, quite valuable. It's that creative skill, it's developing that creative muscle that, that a lot of organizations are looking for, right? You know, that sort of interaction exactly. of creativity and tech. And this person will not have time to think, is this report really good? Is it really mm-hmm. insightful? You know, does it, do the people need it at all? Maybe we need to send them something else. Well, yeah. that's a great because point, Because it's evolving actually. so fast. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, also, that's... one more thing. Think about someone sending this report externally. Some, someone that sends some data, like, I don't know, invoices outstanding report to hmm. a vendor or something like this. You can streamline your processes within the organization, but when something goes out, you never know what you're going to get back. So it's like it's always like a piece that's not always automated. And that t- takes a lot of resources and a lot of like it's error prone. So this process is pretty complicated, exchanging with your external partners. But imagine if you get something back and you have like a robotic process that will normalize this data, put it back into the format that you need, and fit it back into your system so that you will have this whole process streamlined and you won't have to worry about 
receiving fragments of data from your partner and then thinking like how am I going to make sense of it (laughs) again you're saving so much time and effort and you get really and that's when you can analyze the insights like what exactly is this information that you receive and how it can help you help you do your job so that's basically the point. Yeah, yeah, no, because I, yeah, I think I think some of us are maybe guilty and uh, maybe thinking too internally sometimes. That that's a massive opportunity. Is just those edges of our organisation where we're interacting with suppliers, vendors, or whatever, mm-hmm. just just aligning the data flows between. I mean, I'm, I'm just thinking there's, there's massive opportunities there to get those aligned, and it, it just allows exactly. the vendor to focus on what's important to them, and also. Uh, us to some time back to focus on I think I think this digital twin idea we're suggesting creates a lot of scale you know it's to focus on things that yeah. really matter people should focus on doing the business right not yeah. on uh, like exchanging reports <laughs> exactly <laughs> and that's as, going back to treasury maybe that's uh, also one one difference because treasury tends to work externally a lot with banks with um, like vendors and when you when you're analyzing your cash cycle and working capital you're thinking about partners all the time you're thinking about accounts receivables accounts payables and on the each one of those you have uh, an external partner so mm-hmm. in treasury when you do the, your forecasting you have to be worried about like if this customer is going to pay on time if not your forecast is not going to be correct so maybe that's why treasure tends more, you know, to, to worry more about communicating externally. Yeah, no, and, and that's, that's a good, good thing. Really good it's helping whole, yeah, it, it, it just helps the whole organization to work better. So I think we're all in the same, in the same team here. So. Yeah, no, no I, I completely agree. I completely agree. Uh, I suppose now in terms of in your, your, your recent journey, I think um, you're based out of North Carolina now mm-hmm. as, a, as a director yeah. of Treasury. Yeah. Yeah, well, as I mentioned before, I made this transition to, to the U.S. almost two years ago. You know, it's been really different. And I really appreciate this experience because it just opens up more, you know, just allows broader views on many things. Moving from country to country is a very different experience. And, and I never thought it would be that different, frankly speaking, because I went to school in, in the U.S. before. I lived here before. So it's not like what's totally new. But in terms of, in, in professional terms, I frankly speaking thought it's going to be, it's not going to be so, so different, but in a good way. I think I gained so much more skills here, just, just also different perspective on this. And so, yeah, so I really appreciate this. And, and in general, I would recommend to, to learn just as, as much different experiences as, you know, as you can reach to. <laughs> and uh, part of this is also talking to different people. And like we discussed with you, Andrew, before, even things like, like your podcast would help here a lot because when you listen to different people's experiences and different po- points of view, it just gives you so much in terms of understanding how things work, how different things are, how different all people are. And it's important for, for a professional to be, to be open to this. Yeah, I, I look. I know it seems a bit, uh, bit of a strange thing to me to say. I, I didn't do that thing early enough in terms of talking to others, and just mm-hmm. absorbing the, the, those other stories out there and what people were learning. And and I know I, I do support now that I've seen the error in my earlier ways. It's um, it's I, I think I think international exposure. It's very key. And in terms of the process, you were just sort of sounding out there. You know, you said you go you go talk to to other people. I mean. How do, how do you know an international move is right for you or something that's worth considering? I mean, what sort of steps could our, our audience perhaps follow? Well, I personally find um, professional associations very helpful. 
Mm-hmm. I think just by networking with like within an professional association gives you a lot. And uh, even in, in my days back in Russia, I already joined the Association for Financial Professionals, which is based in the U.S. They're really international. They, they have members from different countries, but mostly U.S.-based. And they offer this treasury certification, which is CTP, Certified Treasury Professional. So that, that's what I also did back in, like a few years ago. And that was really helpful to get more international exposure and then networking with other professionals, going to conferences, just talking to people, I guess that's the most helpful. And within one organization, you know, we'll even times where many organizations are truly international and they have, and they encourage people to move between different offices and sometimes even different countries. I know banks often do that, but I also see companies do this more often just, um, for the sake of, you know, growing the talent and, uh, yeah, and just helping people, keep helping people grow professionally. Yeah, I no, but I, I think I think that was a nice nice summary in terms of the things our audience could do that, that actually do practically work. And and it was, I thought they were summarized well by CFO I was I was speaking with earlier. I think from a talent perspective, mobility was key. Uh, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying I don't want to frighten our audience off saying you know you everyone should be moving internationally or whatever. Like sometimes no. the circumstances might you know might mean that that's a bit more mm-hmm. of a challenge. Yeah. But you can still you can still collaborate internationally and and and, uh, and develop a network that that's within everyone's reach and, and appreciate Absolutely. where other people are coming from. But um, but but the, those that I've seen effectively have have good moves that have worked for them is where they've they've done that sort of uh, networking, spoken to others. And had sort of um, informal sponsors and formal sponsors as well oh. uh, mm-hmm. to get them to come over, you know, like in terms of um, mm-hmm. actually, you know, I, 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 uh, you know, it's just, it's just, I think, I think if you're applying for a job and you're sort of not a known entity to that person you're applying for the job for or with, uh, I suppose it's probably more difficult than if you've, you've sort of built a relationship and people are aware of what you can offer as well. And that only comes from, from talking to others and having conversations and, and figuring yeah. out, you know, where are you the best fit. So I, I, I thought that was great, great advice, Tanya. Um, so fantastic for that. And I suppose, um, you know, in terms of it was a heck of a distance you moved, uh, many, many thousands of miles, kilometers. I mean, what, what was the, what was? I, I, I'm glad it's worked out. But I suppose what was the biggest challenge for you, um, having moved over to to America? What was the biggest challenge? Like I mentioned, the biggest challenge was not what I expected. Really, <laughs> oh, I thought. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I thought that people are going to be really different. For some reason, I thought that even, like, you know, day-to-day being in, in an office, like, you know, would be different for some reason. I thought, it's like, you know, the, the pace of things is going to be different. The, I don't know, conversations between people are going to be different. But that didn't happen. It was, like, so familiar. <laughs> and um, I guess it, when you're in the corporate world, it's it all very similar. I guess that's the yeah. reason. So yeah. it was so, so similar. And I was just, I just flew right in. I mean, it, it had like no difficulties <laughs> at all. At all. Um, but on the other hand, my biggest challenge was moving from the largest business to the uh, middle-sized market uh, company. And it was very different because of uh, how things are done, you know, and how the, the level um, of automation of processes uh, contribute to this as well. And also, I think the omni-channel model of my company that I work okay. right now, it's very different because I used to work in retail and it's 
basically a one channel thing um yeah. and you just yeah it's, it's very straightforward <laughs> um but here uh when many companies like go this path right now which is i think a good thing to do just selling omnichannel and finding new you know ways um to reach the customer mm-hmm, this mm-hmm. implies like challenges first of all the treasury i think because you have to serve all these different ways of payments and channels and you know <laughs> it just may not seem obvious but when you uh plug in a new website and start accepting payments there treasury have to worry about this <laughs> yes, yes exactly. it's running, you know so even simple things like that you have to worry about so that was the biggest challenge the like so many different options of <laughs> inflows of money and outflows of money is just the whole new universe for me but it was a great experience and learning all this was really helpful to me i think so yeah it, it, it's been great so far and also um I, i found that in smaller companies they tend to blend roles a lot so i now have more accounting responsibilities mm-hmm. that i had that i had before and it's also just a new perspective on looking at things and again collaborate more and work cross-functionally even closer with other departments so that's that's a really awesome insight so th- thanks to share <laughs> thanks to share that although yeah, you <laughs> may be smart you may be smart about the offices not be you know the, the, the not being Absolutely. as different you know yeah uh... i'll tell you i can tell you one story about this my like my first or second day in this new office i was introduced to one of the uh one of the directors there and we were sitting in his office and he was telling me this story you know the other day he said i just i left my office for a few minutes when i came back there was a meeting in in my office and i wasn't even invited to it i didn't know what was going on but when i just came back and there were all those people sitting there and talking <laughs> and then and then someone said oh i think we forgot to send you the invitation <laughs> So that was really funny. But once he was telling this story, I remember the exact same one from my previous office. Was the exact same thing happened there, you know. And that's when I understood that all people are the same and all situations are the same. Yeah, yeah, no, I, and, and even if it's not, it's like even if people think it's not the same, there's going to be some sort of, um, I know, merging of, of certain things mm-hmm. like that, you know. Um, for, for me, the, the big one was coffee. Like working working in the States, um, a lot of people are bringing coffee to work. Whereas like yeah. in Ireland, it wasn't really a thing. But then over time, I've noticed a lot more people now bringing coffee to work. We have a lot more coffee shops, uh, Starbucks and whatever's growing here as well. Yeah. And it's just, it's just interesting. I mean, like obviously we have our local um, how do you say diversity to bring in and 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 you know uh that, that that's going to create value but also the things are sort of are meshing a bit as well between companies in different parts of the world so it's it's interesting observation you raised tanya that that's very interesting and um i i, I suppose just uh, just stepping it up a bit uh the, you know like you've been giving us a lot of great advice there great stories i mean what's been the best bit of advice you've ever received I think I was once told that no one can really define who you are and I really agree mm-hmm. with this. So you you have to be the one who defines yourself and not the circumstances you're in, not the company you're working in right now, not even your current role if you're not happy with this. It doesn't define you as a professional yeah. as a you know as a person. And and you can if you, if you want to be something more maybe than you currently are you can grow into this and it's not like it's always a learning curve it's always a path it's never is like an end stop (laughs) at any point that no that that's very powerful advice i think i think a lot of people and again i you know i'm i'm going to be 
you know straight about this i think they don't appreciate that bit of advice enough tanya you know i feel if you ask people to sort of you know rate rate themselves on a uh, you know like in terms of how much are they contributing on on a zero to ten scale um, they'll, mm-hmm. they'll never give themselves a 10 right but if you split your role because oh. i think it's being influenced by a role you know uh, and they define okay. defined mm-hmm. by their role they never separate their identity from their role so you know like most of us should score a nine and a 10 on identity you know we should really know ourselves and our role is separate so like if we're not performing sometimes in the role it doesn't take away from who we really are you know and and again that's i think a big thing in technology with roles changing and so on you know we shouldn't let that define us you know um, so I thought your advice is really powerful. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. You have to, um, yeah, you have to. You, you can be your own author of your story. <laughs> so yeah, completely. You Compl- yeah. Compl- and you should be. So speaking of author, right, and I normally ask uh-huh. like recommended resources, all right, you did write a book. And, and actually not, not your straightforward finance textbook yeah, style either, you know. Yeah. So uh, do you mind sort of sharing that with our audience, please? Uh, absolutely. Yeah, thank you for asking. Yes, um, I did write a book. It's called Alice and the Treasury Island, which is a reference to treasury space and working in this field. And uh, it's written in the mix of genres. It's uh, on the one hand is a like business growth and professional growth coaching book and on the other hand it has elements of science fiction there is a story and the story is happening like uh, way in the future with some person who is in finance so yeah that's it's kind of inter- interesting i guess approach to this but that that was the the main reason i did this was to, to share my experiences and to inspire maybe younger professionals to to grow to to find the purpose to find motivation to work you know, to just keep moving forward. No, because so many younger professionals, when they find something, when they start feeling comfortable in what they're doing, mm-hmm. some people tend to think, okay, professional in this, and that's what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. Kind of thing. But then they get bored in a couple of years, and they just get lost. They don't know what, you know, how to move forward, what to, the, the work is not so fulfilling anymore, but they don't understand why. So my answer to this would be just keep on forward, keep learning and new things and just develop you know, in, in your profession. Yeah, they in um I mean that's uh, I know and I think I think we all know people who've gone gone through those challenges uh, Tanya and uh, delighted you wrote that book I just, I just had an image in my head it's like a, a, you know in Ireland and the UK what tends to happen when people hit that point they tend to buy and go uh, go and buy um, a convertible car and, okay. uh, and, then we call, and then we know there needs to be an intervention <laughs> so <laughs> so now we can point them in the direction of your book and, uh, and recommend that to them <laughs> as well uh, but uh, but I suppose in terms of that's a great I mean look thanks for doing it and again it sounds a really novel way of doing it bit of science fiction bit of personal professional growth in there um, so any yeah. any other rec- any other useful books or resources you recommend our audience go check out well I will I would recommend just because I um, read it again not so long ago. There is a great book by Chris Voss. It's called Never yeah. Split the Difference. Yeah, and uh, I don't, have, yeah, have you read it? I think it's, it's like a great device oh. on negotiating. And I personally took this advice and, and actually tried a few, you know, of the like insights of how to negotiate things. It really worked. <laughs> yes. So <laughs> I yeah, can't yeah. testify. Yeah, that, yeah. It's just, it's just, I don't, I don't know why he was like, was he something like an FBI hostage negotiator or something like that? But, but it's just like, you wouldn't think, think. You, would, yeah. 
and it wouldn't work in finance you think but no it actually does i mean for me the big thing is no you know it was like the usefulness of no it's a great clarifier of boundaries it's just like and like people are saying oh you shouldn't use no or but anymore but sometimes you can actually do use it to good effect it's just like it's a useful tool that accountants used to use a lot and you know we should still at least examine whether or not we should use it you know don't say no ever you know just you don't have to always say yes but you know so it's uh, no yeah i like Uh, you yeah, I, I really appreciate this his perspective when he says anything is a start of the conversation. No is also a start for the conversation. It's like it's it's like maybe or I don't know is like you know it's worse than yes or no. Yeah, <laughs> that's a really lack good of point. lack of yeah lack of an opinion is uh, <laughs> not good for you. you know? <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess and, and accountants and finance professionals we have an opinion, so you don't just. Give <laughs> <it out> <laughs> You know, it's okay to have an opinion. So, no, that's great. No, so that's that's a great resource. Uh, so thanks for that, Tanya. And I suppose, look, should our audience wish to continue the conversation, where's the best place to connect with you at? Well, always a good place to connect with me on LinkedIn. And I will, I, I'm willing to give the link to my website as well, where my book can be found if, if, if it is free for download. So if anyone is interested, I'll be happy to do that. So yeah, yeah, I, I'm open to all kinds of conversations and I enjoy professional conversations always. Excellent. That, that makes two of us. <laughs> so, it's been a great conversation. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, as part of wrapping up, you know, we do have to bring all good things to an end sometimes. So, uh, but no, it's our, in terms of uh, in terms of wrapping it up, look, I just loved um, the, the conversation. It went in a number of different directions, the digital business as well. Also, the, the international experience, getting to know people, building networks, uh, and the opportunities then from, um, you know, the digital twin, internal versus external Great suggestions. Would you happen to have any maybe parting thoughts for our audience? I think that it's important for anyone to, as we mentioned already, to, to always keep developing, learning, moving forward. And even with, like, you often talk about, uh, like many people often talk about which skills are more important than the others for, for some professions. I just think in general, um, a person ha- needs to define it for himself. Like uh, something he is more interested in doing will be great for him. He'll be better in this. And Definitely. if you, you know, developing your strengths, that would be always more fulfilling than, you know, even maybe sometimes working on the weaknesses. Just if you have any, just, um, I mean, work with it, but don't get too obsessed over it. <laughs> Yeah, that's a great party thought because it, it, right, you know, resonates with the strength of the numbers show. It's really about focusing on our strengths, not losing sight of those. You know, there is a lot of change out there yeah. with digital, but actually, you know, we still have our strengths. And uh, yeah, fantastic advice, uh, Tanya. And thanks for being such a great guest and coming on the show today. Thank you so much. It was really um, enjoyable. Thanks a lot. So there you have it. Hope you enjoyed today's show. If you'd like to know more about our guests today, their bio, and follow up on the resources mentioned during the show, you can find all the relevant links and more at sitnshow.com. There you'll also be able to get access to earlier shows, read the latest blogs. There's also an opportunity to subscribe to our newsletter, which will give you heads up as to when the next show is coming out, latest events, news, and anything that's going to be relevant to help you have a fun, rewarding, and successful career in finance and accounting. And just before you go, we really appreciate your feedback. If there's something we can do better on the show, something that's not working, or something you'd like to see, even a guest you'd like for us to invite onto the show, someone who you think might be able to benefit you more and also the rest of our community, please let me know. 
You can email me. I'm at andrew at sitnshow.com or feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. Just drop me a message so I know how you found me and we can connect. And really, it's our community that will make the show. If we keep engaging and driving each other on, we'll keep on building our strength in the numbers. When all is said and done, if we can do the numbers better and finance better, we'll create more opportunities for ourselves, our friends, our families, our communities and our businesses. So until next time, have a good rest of the week. Take care and let's keep building our strength in the numbers.